This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB. Four with Matthew. Um, it's more the mood on the bench in the last five or six minutes, right? There's that belief that it can happen. I don't think that quite captures it. It's the uh, there's an intensity on the bench about good things that could happen. So once we get to overtime, we feel pretty good. We get the kill, which was huge. Great block by Eric Stahl. Um, and then we're looking for one shot. We've been good at that. Right side, Did second ask Who's starting them next game? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's unkind. But I appreciate that. Uh, head coach Paul Maurice of the Florida Panthers. Uh, I think it'll be Sergey Bobrovsky who starts game four. What do you think there, Jim Toe? so funny. How much? Good day, everybody. How yeah. much was I laughing uh, when he was asked if Bobrovsky would start, and and he can't just say yes, right? <laughs> um, so the quote yesterday was, uh, he played great in the first game. He played as good as the rest of the team did in the second game. 48 hours ago, you were trying to figure out how to split the con Smythe between him and Kachuk. So, yes, he's starting in game three. And I'm like, he just can't say yes, yeah, right? And exactly. so now that's hilarious that it's like, will he be starting game four? It's <laughs> <laughs> not a great question. Uh, so the Florida Panthers uh, are coming back into the series, of course, 3-2 win, 7-for-7 seven seven in overtime so far this this postseason. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, we're going to dig into that. And uh, Ken Weeb's going to be joining us at 1230 uh, to talk about the latest uh, regarding Pierre-Luc Dubois. I would say the situation has uh, narrowed, and that might uh, perhaps be if if we're going to read into these reports, uh, narrowing might be um, a little bit of an understatement in the situation, uh, which again, it might be also attached to some of the things we've been hearing for a long time. So we're going to get into that with with, with Ken Weeb at twelve thirty. You can text the show anytime two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight two zero four seven eight zero. Uh, 68-68. Matthew Kachuk and Carter Verhage, who won, scored the overtime winner yesterday. Um, Kachuk and Verhage each have four game-winning goals so far. Yeah. I mean, these are guys who come out and they've been uh, absolutely money. And you know what? And and just to, just to go after Bobrovsky as well, 25 stops, he had to be real sharp in the second period. Yeah, I look, I like the way um, Florida played. I thought Bobrovsky had to be that because they were hanging on a bit. But, like, the way I saw Florida play, and they took way too many penalties again last night, but at least I saw more of, of what I needed to see from Florida to, to try and win or, or be in this series. The first two games, it just got away from them. And the, the Golden Knights are so good at just sticking to what they do. But Florida got away from what they do, and I, I thought they got better. The misconducts and everything else, the extra activities, then you just, you know, you start piling up this fifth, sixth, seventh goal mm-hmm. against. That's not going to help your goalie or anything else. So to me, game three was pivotal, not just because they had to win it, um, Cam, but they had to play better. Like, they had to yeah. get back to what they did, and that's what I think Kachuk said in the post game too. Like, get rid of the antics, get rid of the – and I think we watching forget this, right, because yeah. we see Florida do what they do – then they play two games where they play that way, and you're like, well, what are they doing? What's going on? And so, it, it, we forget it's the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, and here's that. You just mentioned the Matthew Kachuk. Here's that clip. Yeah, we have we have a lot of confidence in our team to to produce offense like we've 
been a top team all year at five on five. So, um, you know, just because we're playing in the Stanley Cup final doesn't mean we need to change up a whole lot of things. But we definitely had to make some tweaks going into this game that we're going to make us more successful than we were in Vegas. And, uh, you know, we definitely were. It took, you know, everybody will probably say how, you know, they were leading most of the game, which they were. But, like, at the end of the day, nobody nobody cares how we got here. You know, it's, it's a 2 1 series. We came into this game just to win one game, and we did that, and we're going to do the exact same thing going into game four, just win that one game. Yeah, I said this earlier in the playoffs. The playoffs have to be kind of a more simple style. There's got to be more intensity. There's got to be more emotion. But the game is is has got to be a little bit more simple in, 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 how it, in how you're looking to play, right? And you saw in game two in Vegas, you saw off the rush of the Florida Panthers giving up seven, six out of the seven goals off the rush there. They, they tightened that up. Bobrovsky had to be good in the second period, but I thought they had a great start. Um, I thought they had a great start there. Great start. Yeah. And what do you think gives Florida the ability to come back? Because when it gets late in the game and they're down by one, when you watch the guys buzz around the ice, it, it's 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 like there's an expectation. And, and the, the clip we just played from Paul Maurice uh, uh, kind of talks to it, but there just seems to be this level of intention and this belief that, listen, we're going to be heading to overtime and we're going to be finishing this game off. I mean, that just has to be confidence. Well, much to what I was referencing about the subconscious, I, I think when that part of the game comes up for this team, they have the 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 overconfidence that they can get something done. And the team that they're playing, whether it's Boston or Toronto in these overtime game, or, you know, late second, couple last minutes of a game trying to tie it or, or go ahead, um, the team is trying to hang on. And there's that subconscious. Like, no team, we see it in every single game when it's a one-goal game. Mm-hmm. No team consciously the last five minutes goes, let's just hang on. But we see it, right? Like, it's this subconscious thing that we're going to keep playing our game, we're going to keep doing this. But as the other team upsets game you're sort of caught it's rare in any hockey game that I've seen that when you're down a game a goal and the other team starts to press that the team that's getting pressed steps up and dominates them like Mm -hmm. so it's just part of that but I I think that what happened last night was I mean Vegas has been there and done that for six years now Mm -hmm. and Florida is a team that has always been eliminated in the first round or can't make the playoffs and so now that they've gotten this far, it just, the way they played last night, like especially that first period, as you said, it was clear to me that, okay, these guys are kind of, we're, we're back to, you know, yeah. it's, it's not, we're, we're in the Stanley Cup final and we got to do this and we got to do that. And we got to, it's more of let's play our game. Let's mm-hmm. get back to, and to be honest with you, that's coaching, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what you mentioned about the rush with Vegas is so true. Like when you go back to that winning game one versus the Jets and what did they say? Well, they did to us what we like to do to other teams. And the Jets were saying after game one is we know they capitalize so much off the rush and turnovers that we just tried to eliminate that and take the middle of the ice away. Text the show, 204-780-6868. This texture says, was that Vegas's first OT loss this playoffs? No, they lost to Dallas. I believe it was in uh, game Double four. Double overtime. So. Yes, they I, lost I, to Dallas. I think that uh, now, but going into that overtime, Vegas was 3-1 and one Pavelski in OT. scored. I know so, Pavelski yeah, scored. So now yeah. they're 3-2, and two, and the Florida Panthers are now 7-0 and oh in overtime this playoff series. Absolutely. That's I, the Montreal Canadiens of 86 when they took out the Flames. I think yeah. they were... 
I can't. It's, I don't want to talk about the Habs. Okay. I don't want to mention them. We're going to be talking about yeah. them. I'm not happy with them. Uh, Florida. That's uh, why also, we should talk about them. <laughs> okay. You know what? Let's go. Let's let's get into this. Edward uh, Texas Show. He says, "Hey guys, we'll be so glad when PLD is traded. So sick of hearing uh, about this guy. Yeah, this whole situation is. It's 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 it's." It's infuriating. It's, it's infuriating. And Cameron texts the show, 204-780-6868. Will there ever be a UFA player that wants to stay in Winnipeg? Canadian teams and small markets are at a disadvantage. Higher taxes in Canada, more desire to play in a warm weather climate. Well, let's look at this. Dustin Bufflin was looking at free agency, and he stayed. And Dustin Bufflin stayed for 78 he left, he left $14 million Blake on the Wheeler table when he walked away. Here. Blake uh, Wheeler was looking at free agency Little, after back-to-back 90-point seasons. Matthew Matthew Perot resigned here. Matthew Perot was looking at free agency. He resigned here. Um, but, like, the, and say what you want about Those are three very impactful pieces. Like, yeah. Blake Wheeler in the open market with back-to-back 90-point seasons in his back pocket? Yeah. Forget about $8 million that you're upset about right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin Bufflin, seven. Seven million dollars or seven point eight. Forget about that on the open market at the time. At with that was when free agent defensemen were starting to get nine million per year. Yeah, and he had fifty six, sixty points. So there were some of that, but you're upset, and we just had this discussion for I'm our upset. listeners <laughs> about upset. about the loyalty about yeah. it. And and look, there's no loyalty, and I. The problem I have with this because I've pondered this too, and now yeah. I'm upset. Yeah. So now we're both upset. We're both upset. The problem I have with this, I don't begrudge this from from Goudreau. Even Kachuk last year said, look, I, all due respect, I'm just not re-signing here. But do with me what you want. Mm-hmm. He didn't say trade me. He said, do with me what you want. I'm not. The problem I have with this is Dubois now said, I'm up front with you. I'm not re-signing. I'm going to free agency. I'm going to free agency. Blah, blah, blah. I want to go to Montreal, but I'm going to free agency, but I want to keep my options, blah, blah, blah. The problem I have with this one compared to Goudreau or Kachuk or any of the others in the past is you have a year left. It's one thing to say, do what you want with me, but I'm not coming back for free agency. It's a different thing to say, I'm not coming back. That's before you have the right to say it. And we can go around with Truba, and Truba was the same. Truba had a year left, and he just simply said, I'm not re-signing here because of my family reasons, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't say, I'm not coming back this year. And I think that's what bothers me about Dubois. This is my issue, and I and I, I feel exactly the same way as you do, Jim. Um, he, he's going to be turning 25 on, on June 24th here coming up. He's 25 years old. And... I don't understand why he's so impatient. I I don't get it. It's one more year. You're playing in the National Hockey League. It is one more season where you get to play in the National Hockey League, which I assume has been his dream his entire life. And we're going to get into this. Ken Weeb is going to come join us. I don't understand why he's so impatient and why one more year is something he just can't stomach to the fact that he has to tell the team, I'm not even going to sign a one-year deal. You have to trade me. And guess what? The list of the teams, and we're going to get into comments from Jeff Merrick when we come back um, from the 32 Thoughts podcast, uh, when we come back and we bring Ken Weeben after 1230. I, and also, I'm not giving you guys many options here. There might be one. There might be one option and then some others that will pretend to consider. That's my point. The team should be the one going, Pierre, 
if you're not signing, we're going to move you. It shouldn't be Pierre going, I'm not coming back at all. It should be Pierre going, I'm not re-signing here, and you can do with me what you want, and if you do want to trade me, this is where I want to go. But the idea that they own his rights for another year and he's just – and I've said it before, but, you know, Jacob Truba said, I'm not coming back. So then it became a thing where we have to move him. Then it became a thing with the New York team. So they're talking to the Islanders, the Devils, the Rangers. And then in the last minute, he says, I'm sorry, it's only the Rangers. They got Neil Pionk and a first-round pick for him. If you put Jacob Truba on the open market, it's double that minimum. Yeah. And and so my problem with this so much is because we've been through it and I get how it works, you don't want to lose them for nothing, is the point that you're not even willing to. So what are the options? We'll get into this with Ken Weeb. I mean, we'll take a look at what are the options for the Winnipeg Jets? What can they do here? And uh, we'll hear more on this. Ken Weeb, join us after 1230. For Let's... everybody texting us, what, sorry, everybody yeah. texting us, what did he do in the playoffs? He takes every third games off, blah, blah, blah. If you think he's that horrible, then don't worry about the trade. Listen, John Shannon. He's not a horrible player. He's not consistent. He's got 63 points in 73. I know you're all upset, but stop saying, oh, he disappeared in the playoffs and he doesn't do this. He doesn't. If he's that bad of a player, you should be happy he's going somewhere. Well, Jim, and, and you're going to hear this at 255, just at the tail end of your show. And, and, and John Shannon says this in, in our Jets hockey report, and we have to take a break here. But he says, listen, Pierre-Luc Dubois has now turned into an asset. And... Exactly. If there's one, this is basic economics, supply and demand. If if there's 30 other options or 31 other options of teams where he can go to, listen, the price is a lot higher than it when it goes to one. Yeah. This is 101, baby. And so if it's just Montreal, the his his the price of getting him there is a heck of a lot smaller he's than doing, it would be if it's across the league. He's doing everything he has to write to do a year from now. He doesn't have a right a to year. dictate Big where and deal. A year in the National Hockey League. Wow. We yeah, got to take, we have like to go. Said, we're we're going to come back. Everybody. Yeah. Can we? We'll be right back. And now Weaver's going to hear about it. Yeah, he's going to hear about it. <laughs> Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. To me personally, um, oh, all my life I follow my parents and, you know, we, we moved around and, uh, yeah, the CBA gives. UFA's uh, the right to pick wherever they want. I'm not a UFA, so I don't worry about that. But the right to to, to choose um, is something that personally, I, you know, it gives you power. Um, you can you can make your decision and and not just go where you're told. So for me, that's something that's that's pretty important. But like I said, I haven't put too much thought into anything behind that. That was Pierre-Luc Dubois um, following um, the end of the season and his uh, season-ending availability. Um, yeah, I mean, just kind of more of what's been going on here. And we bring Ken Weeb onto the program, contributor uh, with sportsnot.ca. Weeb, how you doing? Doing very well, Cameron. Thank you. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. Jim's also doing good, just in case you were wondering. He's doing fine. Oh, yeah, well, he already, he already let me know. Don't worry, don't I already know. Yeah, well, I know. I know. He, I know. He sends you those text messages every day, telling you how wonderful he is. I mean, you must get sick of those. I know. I do. Well, well hey, uh, no, no, it's all good. Good, good. Communication oh, is important because yes. uh, you know, as we're finding out with the Pierre Luc Dubois situation. The, uh, the, the truth uh, is, I, I asked Weber to come on earlier this week. He said no. Cam asked him. He said sure. 
So here we are. Let's go. Let's do this. I like it, Reber. Um, oh man, part of the only that's only telling the partial truth. <laughs> that is true. You you were busy. I know. I know. It's understandable. But it's good that we we waited until today because the dust has settled a little bit. And I, I, yesterday, I was. I understand the business. I'm like, whatever. And this is they're going to get good pieces back. Today, Ken, I have a real problem with this sort of not coming back at all. Um, there's a year left here. I understand that you sort of say, I'm not signing long-term. Uh, you own my rights for another year. Uh, I'm only signing a one-year deal unless you move me to... I'm, I understand all that. To me, what bothers me is the whole, I'm not coming back at all. Well, I mean, I, I can understand where you're coming from. Certainly the fan base, uh, many in the fan base have the shared opinion, but I mean, it's it, this happens in the NBA all the time, and uh, you know it seems to be working out for them on a business side. But uh, certainly, you can understand the frustration. Uh, and I, I would think that we've talked. One thing we've talked about a lot during the offseason, guys, is, is transparency. Here, uh, we talked about how it would have served Kevin Chevalier off well to to lay out a little bit more of the offseason plan when the last time that he spoke. And, and for me. Uh, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois would have served himself better by being a little bit more transparent and maybe a little bit more open when it comes to this procedure here. So obviously since the clip that you ran, when I asked him the question about if it was important to him, he has given it a lot of thought and he does, <laughs> the, 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 having the power does appeal to him to choose where he would like to go. And uh, that seems to be where we're at, uh, you know, based on the reporting that's been done this week by a number of people, including Arpon Vasu. Uh, at the athletic, it sounds like Pat Brisson is going to be involved. Uh, something that I wrote about being a good idea earlier this week at Sportsnet.ca. The only way the Jets can come away with a reasonable package in return is if they can work with the agent Pat Brisson to try to create some leverage by getting other teams interested. And if there is a five or six team list, which was success suggested by Arpon, then that would help the Jets. Because if there's only one team bidding for his services and that team just says, hey, by the way, we'll wait until next summer when he's an unrestricted free agent and we get him for nothing, well, then the Jets are in a real bind. Uh, So either Dubois changes his tune and plays the year with Winnipeg or he agrees to go somewhere else. And, you know, the CBA doesn't give him the power to choose, but uh, he is sounds like he's going to be able to choose and that's sort of where things are at. I mean, I don't think it's Montreal or bust, but Montreal is probably looks like the preferred destination. So unless there's other teams that get involved and say they'd be willing to pay more money because we know that Cole Caulfield signed this week for less than Nick Suzuki. So even though Pierre-Luc Dubois would be a Francophone star in his home province, it's hard to imagine Dubois gets more than the you know $7.9 million that Suzuki, the captain makes. So, is there another potential suitor? I mean, Jeff Merrick says there's some other teams on that list we've discussed, whether it's Tampa, whether it's Dallas, whether it's the New York Rangers. Uh, you know, he mentioned Minnesota as a possibility. I think, you know, he also mentioned Carolina today. I think that L.A. makes sense. Boston makes sense. But unless there's one of these teams that willing to, A, give up assets and, B, give up, uh, you know, be able to sort him into their salary cap structure, we're sort of at a standstill. And, and that's why I think we're, we're you know, it, it's not a coincidence that this report is happening this week. The player wants to move. The team is being patient. Agent applies pressure to team by releasing something publicly. And there we are, right, trying to inch closer to a resolution, which we expect will happen before the NHL draft. But if it doesn't, then it can get dicey for both sides. 
Yeah, I mean, just to, the, the the comments that you mentioned from Jeff Merrick on the 32 Thoughts podcast, he put out Montreal, quote, Montreal is number one, so much number one that I'm even shy of saying there's a number two. There's Montreal, and then there's a third, fourth, fifth, and sixth team that he's interested in. Uh, there's not even a number two, end quote. So, I mean... I mean, in terms of leverage, I mean, I mean, it's it's clear and obvious uh, what kind of leverage the Winnipeg Jets would have going into a deal like that, where Montreal can just say, all right, we'll just wait this out, big deal, we'll we'll give it one more year. Uh, obviously, PLD not as patient as as the Montreal Canadiens are are going to be in this situation, or perhaps they would be depending on what they get. But how how long can this last, Ken? Is is this is this something that is? Need that you see as something that needs to be done quickly, or if this is something that could go into September or October even? Well, I mean, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So, I mean, we're looking at the Jacob Truba situation all over again. Certainly some different circumstances involved, but one year out from UFA status, a limited number of teams interested in where he may be going to. So the last time that netted the Jets a first-round pick at 20th overall that turned into Billy Hainala, and it got them a top-four defenseman, Neil Pionk. So I'm guessing Kevin Sheveldayoff says to Kent Hughes, I need this or better uh, in order to move on. Center is obviously a premium position. So, But how long can it last? Well, it can last as long as the two sides want to dig in their heels, right? I think it would be to the Jets' benefit to get moving on this. They need to move at least probably... I'm expecting them to move three of the four players we've been talking about for the last several months. Uh, that includes Mark Shifley, Connor Hellebuck, and Blake Wheeler. And I don't think a staring contest is the right way to go. And it's easy for me to say that because there are no repercussions or ramifications for me. But if this gets dragged out for months and months and months, I mean, that's not going to help the Jets become a better hockey team either unless Dubois has an about face and decides to take a one-year qualifying offer and plays the season the other thing we have to talk about, and it's been speculated on, what about an offer sheet? Well, if the Jets wait too long, Montreal signs an offer sheet for one year at $6.4 million or somewhere in that range, then the Jets' return is limited to a first-round pick and a third-round pick in 2024. So for a team that's trying to rebuild or retool on the fly and not rebuild, pardon me, a first-round draft pick the following summer, that's not going to help them get better currently when they're going to lose their number one A or B center, depending on your perspective. So... To me, it's probably a sooner the better scenario, but at the same time, unless you're not, if obviously they haven't had an offer that they've liked or the deal would be done already. So, and the only way to improve the deal is to create the leverage that we've discussed previously. So, yeah, would would Dubois be willing to sit out an entire season by principle? I, I don't think so. And that doesn't help him because he would still, you don't, you don't gain the year if you don't play. So, uh, you just be at a standstill again, which that to me doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for the Jets to wait for there to be a potential for a offer sheet because then their return is no good, is not going to help them. And if they match, well, that means they can't trade him for a full year. So then you get one year of an unhappy PLD and then he walks straight to unrestricted free agency. So that doesn't help them in the long term either. They need to find a resolution. And if they don't, then that's one of several dominoes that are going to need to fall this summer. Yeah, you know what, Jim? I, I'm just thinking like Montreal's kind of a cap, a cap strap team. They don't have a lot of room. They're not going to have a lot of room next year either. If, if a deal does get made, and, and if it is players as Ken is saying there, um, and guys that they want to help them now, which they're not looking to rebuild. This is a retool or whatever you want to call it. Um, you probably would have to take contracts that Montreal doesn't want anymore. Yeah, yeah like that's you. why this is. Um, that's why the Josh Anderson name is out there, and and that's why. 
you know, I keep saying Kirby Doc, but realistically, what the Montreal Canadiens want down the middle is Suzuki, Kirby Doc, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. So they don't want to give that up. And and that's where this becomes tricky, Ken, because well, that, that's what I want to ask. Like, I did this whole thing with the Rangers, and, and I, I looked at some other teams where, you know, if this is the center depth that they want to have with the Dubois, then they have to give up a, a Schneider or somebody like that on the blue line and, and somebody else. But in reality, with what this has done is what what's Montreal going to do? Like, this is this is what I'm offering. Oh, yeah, it's a staring contest. And, and you're right. I mean, Kirby Doc just developed under Marty St. Louis. Why in the world would Kent Hughes say, oh, hey, sure, here, have this player we just developed. I, I wouldn't say he was in reclamation project status yet. Jim, this is the top five pick in the NHL draft. He's still very young. But he just had a great year. I mean, if you're the Jets, you have to be asking for Kirby Doc. But, but this is the same with the Rangers. Like, you should be asking for Heidel out of, of, out of New York. But yet they're like, well, sure. no, we want him to be a part of the center core we're building with Dubois. So then you have to pick out another piece. Like, I, I get why this hasn't happened yet. But then again, if it is a staring contest, what this has done this week for the Jets is put them at somebody throwing water in their eyes to make them blink. Oh, no doubt about it. And that's the that's the other problem. And leverage, like the agent is trying to create some leverage for the client now. Like, And let's not kid ourselves. Uh, the benefit for the agent, if there's a bidding war, is a few more zeros on the contract. I mean, I'm exaggerating slightly, but mm-hmm. if there's more teams interested, the AAV is going up. And, yes. You know, so like, let's not let's not pretend like this is just, oh, hey, the agent wants to make sure his client, of course the agent wants to make sure his client is happy, but he also wants to make sure his client gets paid. That's being Pierre Dubois said it last year already. Maybe the next contract is his last one. So well, you know, and this can to thirty three, right? But this is where I see, sorry, Ken, but this we're almost out of time. This is where I see it going as well. Is that the reason the other teams are there is to get some leverage, and thankfully the agent's going to help with that. But in reality, Montreal is not going to pay him more than Suzuki. So the agent is probably saying, "Let's look at this Montreal seven point five million. But in reality, let's just include some other teams because somebody might knock our socks off. Somebody might go, here's 8.5 per for seven years. For sure. And that's why I think they use Dallas as one of the preferred destinations. Well, 7.5 or 8 goes a lot further in a you know non-income tax state as well than it would in Montreal or Winnipeg or New York or anywhere else. So it's a tough spot for the Jets to be in. There's no doubt about it. And then the trickle down too. If they end up having to move all four of those guys, then what does that mean for Nino Niederreiter? What does it mean for Kyle Connor? I mean, the, the trickle down is, is massive here. And the other thing for Kevin Cheveldayoff, one of the reasons why he's trying to be patient, he can't be getting pushed around by agents and players. Otherwise, you have the whole inmates running the asylum. And, and this is an organization that can't afford that to happen either. So uh, it's a precarious spot, and it's one that. The general manager is going to have to make a couple of very deft moves here in order to, you know, for that team to remain competitive next year and beyond. As I've always said, pick up, close the door in the room, pick up the phone, and try to get a free agent to come to Winnipeg or convince one to stay. And for everybody who thinks it's like Chevy doesn't do this, Chevy doesn't do that, try and do it then. Try and convince Pierre-Luc Dubois to stay or try and win a trade for him right now under these circumstances. Well, I don't. they're not going to get... What would be value on the open market? That's that 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 ship is gone. I'll go back to Truba. Truba got Neil Pionk, as Ken said, and a first round pick. If you were to put Truba on the open market, you get double that. Potentially, yeah. And and that's what I mean. Like we're getting texts right now of people going, Chevy never makes a trade. <laughs> well, 
a year from now, when he gives up Pierre-Luc Dubois for a second and fourth round pick, what are you going to say about him? Like, it's the toughest thing to do, and, and he's backed in a corner. Is he not, Ken? It's definitely a tough spot, and uh, you know we also can't ignore the fact that one of the trades, for the people saying, well, look at the trades that make a trade. Well, he made a trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois, and the fact that he wasn't willing to commit long-term has caused a further ripple effect in what was already a difficult situation, is what I would say to that. So, But his job is to make the team competitive, and you know it's going to be hard to make the team better in this situation in the immediate, immediate you know, history or future. But he has to get pieces that will help the team get better in the long run. And this is a great example, guys. Sorry to derail or to sort of just take a sharp turn to the right. The Jets <laughs> are looking for two guys that are in the Stanley Cup final. Find me the next Chandler Stevenson and find me the next Carter Verhage. These are guys who were fourth-line players elsewhere. Now they're first- and second-line players playing for the Stanley Cup. There are value players like this out there. Are they hard to find? Of course. Are you always going to get them for a fourth-round draft pick or as a free agent? No. But those are the guys you need to put in. Plug them into the lineup as they try to get a little bit more blue-collar and see what happens moving forward. Those are the kind of players. They may not be household names today, but they may become household names in the years to follow. That, that's that's my unsolicited advice when it comes to the trades of these core pieces that the Jets are going to be moving. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that 100%. Couldn't uh, agree more. And uh, Chandler Stevenson, $2.75 million next year, then becomes a UFA. And uh, Verhege's got two more years on his deal after this one at 4.16. But you got to find them on those deals, and yeah. then they develop into who they are because both those guys are going to get big raises. Oh, yeah, absolutely, and they deserve it. But it's about finding the guys in the right positions. Ken's totally right about that. Uh, Weber, contributor with Sportsnet. Ken Weeb joining us now. Uh, Ken, thanks so much. Always appreciate it, man. You take care, okay? My pleasure. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, enjoy the football game as well, boys. As we uh, Will do. This from the defending Grey Owl champion. I didn't Ken hear Weave. about that. Is that true? No, Skyler, no, it's, not, it's not true. It's not true. Oh, what? Skyler <laughs> Peters has your picture up in our newsroom and has been staring at it like Cape Fear for an I, entire I'm be year. I'm trying to win the media flight one of these years, but it will not be this year. Uh, well, uh, he's he's going up there and he was gunning. He goes, I must defeat Weaver. 2024, media, <laughs> media, media flight. That's there we go. He had, he's got laser focus. Like he wouldn't. He's just been going on about it all week. And I just said, just get off of it. Please. <laughs> uh, Ken, thanks so much. Take care. My pleasure, guys. Thanks, Enjoy Weber. It. And he does have two phenomenal articles on the, the Dubois situation, yeah, one from earlier in the week and one yes. to, uh, at sportsnet.ca. Yeah, absolutely. Go make sure you check him out at Weeb's World on Twitter as well. Uh, let's take a break on the other side. Hey, this is Ken Weeb just mentioned. There's a Blue Bomber game tonight. 5.30, pregame show, kickoff at 7.30 right here on 680 CGOB at IG Field. Uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats in town. And also the Leafs. Hey, the Leafs uh, just made a higher... From uh, a former Winnipeg Jet back in the day. Former Winnipeg Jet 1.0 draft pick. I'll tell you all about that after this. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Oh, well, Shane Doan has been hired by the Toronto Maple Leafs as a special advisor to general manager Brad Treliving. That's a great hire. Yeah. Look, why, why, wouldn't the, why, wouldn't the Coyotes, the why wouldn't the Coyotes want to move him up in the organization, a guy that dedicated to the desert? Like, why does he have to go to Toronto? Why doesn't Arizona take care of that? Because he's been with the organization there in like a, some sort of level. And and his son is playing in the Coyotes home arena because he's yeah, ASU. a uni- yeah. University of Arizona State University college hockey player. I don't understand. So you could go to work 
and see your son doing keg stands and watch him play. <laughs> It'd be awesome. It's a win-win for That's everybody. That's a great hire. I mean, we say what we want about the Leafs and some of their dysfunction. A Treliving and Shane Doan will. Yeah. Those are great hires. Shanny, step back. Let Treliving make all the calls. Let him have control of the organization. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Fortier, for producing the show. Jim Toth is going to take you all the way until 3 o'clock. That's it for me. I'll be back same time next week. See ya. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.